TED Audio Collective. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. It's Manoush, and this is ZigZag, the business podcast about being human. And you have made it to step six, the final step in the ZigZag project, our process to help you map out a path that aligns your personal values with your professional ambitions. Kind of a reset for yourself and your career. And we have done a lot of work to get here. It was not always easy, you told me. So just quick recap here. Step one started in the so-called neutral zone, taking our pulse and just observing where we are right now. I've been feeling kind of stuck this year, and I have had a lot of thoughts rattling around in my head, but I don't think I've taken time to actually process them. Step two was all about our vision of the future, what life and work could look like if we allowed ourselves to dream. I liked writing about my life, where I'd be in five years, what I was doing, and just what it looked like, all the beautiful things that my life could be. I struggled more with the business side. For step three, we got weird. Listing as many ideas as possible that might make that vision a reality. I started really well and my list was going great. And then I wrote down what I currently do for work because I felt like dang, my current work isn't even included in this list, and I was starting to feel self-conscious about that. And then I got really stuck. It it just really squashed my creativity and the weird ideas. So I did a reset, let myself go back to weird ideas, and after that I started to get to a place that felt really good. Finally, in steps four and five, we tested those ideas making sure that they matched our values and vision, and being honest with ourselves about the sacrifices that we may or may not be willing to make to achieve them. I tend to be a workaholic. And so having a goal of having a work-life balance is a big one for me. But at the same time, I'm also wondering if I need to set my sights a little bit higher in building my business and, and where I want it to eventually end up. I haven't quite figured out the answers yet, but I've been mulling them over. I'm not willing to sacrifice what it takes to build my own business. I will say, though, I'm going to have to keep doing the 8 to 5 thing, maybe for a long time, for this to work. I'm definitely finding out that time works a little bit differently with a baby, and I can't prioritize everything. Uh, I have to say that the last episode really resonated with me, especially when you said that things just might not happen quite as quickly as you hoped. It's true, you can't rush the process. But we also don't want to lose momentum, right? Finding that balance is what the sixth and final step is all about. We'll get to your last assignment in just a bit. But first, the ZigZag Project's final guest to help us keep playing the long game, but act strategically in the short term. 
This is a woman who has mastered the art of coaching herself and others through crazy adversity. Number one, it's know what you want. And that can be risky. It can be risky to let yourself dream. And that's why I encourage people to do it. Okay, so I interviewed this person last year for my other job as host of the TED Radio Hour. Joe Biden had just won the U.S. presidential election, thanks in part because she, behind the scenes, had worked to flip the state of Georgia to the Democrats. You know, I've been chastised in public for being too ambitious, for dreaming too big. (laughs) But it's the only way you can set the parameters of your goals. Do you know who this is? My name is Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. That's my not very good Oprah impression. Anyway, just a couple years earlier, Stacey had lost her run to be governor of Georgia. But she didn't go lick her wounds and wait to run again. She started a voting rights organization that got black and brown people to the polls in record numbers. And that was only possible because she had spent the previous decade slowly rebuilding the state's Democratic Party. This is a woman who is constantly reassessing what she needs to do in the short term to keep building towards her long-term goals, which are democracy and equity. And I thought that you would love to hear her personal method for staying the path. And so, you know, number one, know what you want. Number two, know why you want it. And that part is so important because often we jump from the wanting to the doing. But if you haven't given yourself the time and the space to think about why you want it, sometimes you miss the moment where it's not actually the thing you thought it was. It's the thing that's right next door, but you don't recognize it. And Mm -hmm. so it's so critical to take that time and to, to really excavate what it is that you want, but why it is that you want it. Because when it's hard when people are saying inappropriate things about you, when your opponent has a commercial where you are you know, portrayed as King Kong climbing the side of a building in one of the most racist, sexist tropes you can imagine, when people are saying terrible things about you and your family, you have to know why you're doing this stuff. And then the third is you know, know how you're going to get it. It is important to write it down, to make a plan. And yet you call me strategic. I am a risk taker in that I try things that are guaranteed to fail at least half the time. But I am strategic in that I know what the steps need to be because ambition and dreams without a plan, it's just a wish. So I think about it. I write it down. I figure out what are the steps. And I've been not only chastised for being too ambitious, I've been called to calculating. But a dude who writes this stuff down, (laughs) a guy who says, I want to create a company and I'm just going to wish it is so, you know, people would laugh at him. He said, oh, I wrote it down and I planned this and I planned that. That's celebrated as thoughtful and strategic. When I did it, I was called too ambitious and calculating. But (laughs) particularly when you come from a place where people don't expect of you, that also means they don't teach you how. And so my approach is I'm going to teach myself how and I'm going to find people who help me navigate and I'm going to understand what works and what doesn't work because anything less is nearly a guarantee that I'm not going to be successful. So 
Where are you now then in terms of answering those three questions for yourself? What do I want? Why do I want it? And how do I get it? What I want is I want people to have opportunity. And that, that sounds so you know, vague and you know, fortune cookie-ish. Um, <laughs> I, I think poverty is immoral. I think criminal justice should be real. And that means there has to be justice in how we treat those who commit crimes, but there also has to be justice in how we offer public safety in our society. I believe in environmental justice and social justice. I want people to be able to be the most they can without these barriers that do not exist for a certain segment of our society. So that's what I want. The reason I want it is because I grew up poor. I grew up you know, beset by different forms of discrimination and buffeted by these underwhelming expectations of me. But I also grew up with extraordinary parents and privileged and blessed to encounter people who saw more in me. And I want that for other people because I know what it can feel like, but I also know what you can deliver if you can do more. And the why of it for me is that it is wrong. It is wrong to deny opportunity. It is wrong to have intentional suffering that could be solved. It is wrong to limit our expectations and our capacities based on these trivialities of where you were born and when you were born and how you were born. And I want to be clear, race and gender and sexual orientation and gender identity and religion and ethnicity, these are all things that actually do matter. And they have a place in how we think about things, but they should never have a place in denying your agency, denying your humanity. Mm. And how I get there is that I'm incredibly methodical. I have identified the jobs that I could have that help me get there. Some of those jobs are in government. Other times it is best accomplished by being in a corporation that I've started. And there are other moments where it's starting a nonprofit that can do the work. And so where I think I differ in, in ways that folks aren't quite used to is that I see these platforms as fungible. I do not believe I have to remain in public office to be effective. I do not believe that I have to eschew the private sector to be righteous. And I don't think that a nonprofit is a step down. I think it is an absolutely essential part of how we build a just society. Well, first of all, it sounds like you're extremely busy, but also it sounds like you are still a really good student watching and learning and figuring out the best way to accomplish all the things that you listed. But how much do you feel like at this point, it's time for people to learn from you, that the student, you, the good, good student now really needs the chance to be the teacher? I, I don't frame it in that way. I, you know, my mom was a librarian when I was growing up. She was a research librarian. And when you had questions, she would answer. But if the questions became annoying or if there were too many of them because there are six of us, my mom would use that familiar trope, go look it up. 
And in our family, you had no excuse because you literally had access to almost any book you needed. So when she said, go look it up, she really meant it. I grew up believing that there is no end to the acquisition of knowledge. There's no end to the acquisition of learning. There is also always an opportunity to share what you've learned, not simply by reciting it, but by living it. And so I hope every day that I am demonstrating to those who work with me or for me, I'm demonstrating in real time in an active practice what I believe to be true. When I work with young people in particular, I encourage experimentation and I encourage fallibility. Make mistakes. It's the only way you're going to get better at this. Just tell me the truth about the mistake you've made so I can make sure we can fix it. But I also live it. I'm not the governor of Georgia. I didn't get the thing I wanted. And my responsibility in that moment, if there was a teachable moment there, was how I responded. I responded by acknowledging the legitimacy of the numbers based on what the laws permitted. But I also questioned the legitimacy of the laws themselves. And in that way, I know people have taken exception to me saying I didn't accept the outcome of the election. No, I, I didn't say I'm governor. What I did say, though, is that the laws are wrong because anything that would allow a single man to oversee a system that takes the right to vote away from hundreds of thousands of people cannot be legitimate. And I fought that fight. I did not fight to make myself governor. There is no case that has been filed that will retroactively install me as governor. But what I hope people learned is that we don't have these binary choices anymore, that we can say something is without saying it is right. And then more importantly for me, it was that the next day or 10 days later, I started doing something about the next thing. I started Fair Fight. I started Fair Count. I started SEEP. And I've been doing that work because I want people to learn from my behavior that we can question without conceding, that we can fight without being obnoxious, and that we can defend without being defensive about it. Stacey Abrams, thank you so, so much. Thank you. This has been a delight. can hear my entire conversation with Stacey Abrams on NPR's TED Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts. I will link to it in the newsletter as well. It is really worth hearing the whole thing. She's a force. But here on ZigZag, in a minute, your final assignment. I can't believe we got here. We're going to build your timeline with a specific way to hold yourself accountable. It's, it's a little bit different than how Stacey does it. Be right back. We're back. And I just want to take a minute to thank the over 3,000 of you who took the self-assessment survey so far. 
You, dear listeners, are teachers and professors, marketing managers and attorneys. You work in retail and government. You are entrepreneurs, engineers and librarians, artists and nannies. We've even got a few lactation consultants and clergy folk. And yes, there are lots of you looking for work. About 9% of you recently lost your job. But no matter where you are in your career, you're all here because you want something to change. In fact, the number one thing you told me you wanted out of this project was clarity about how to move forward to start a new chapter in your life. Or as one listener put it, feel more accountable to make a change and stop complaining. (laughs) That makes sense. I'm a big believer that structure can really help us, whether it's how Stacey Abrams does it or your own methodology or, yes, the ZigZag Project. Speaking of which, last time we whittled down your ideas to the paths you are going to pursue. And one listener, Georges, complained that the criteria was so specific that he had only one idea or path left on his list. To which I say to you, George, good, because specificity in the short term, and especially for this final step, is crucial for keeping up momentum. You're going to hear why in just a minute. So here's what you're going to do now for your final assignment. Write down one way that you can learn more about the path that you've chosen. So for each of your paths, look something up, basically. For example, see what classes or programs are being offered if you're thinking of going back to school, or email an acquaintance who has the job you're interested in and ask them if you could buy them a cup of coffee and chat. Or see if you qualify for a small business loan, if that's what you think you wanna do. Something easy. And this task, I think, is good for those of you who suffer from inertia. You know who you are. Next, write down one low-lift thing you can try before committing to anything drastic. Could you sit in on a class before signing up? Maybe you could volunteer at a farmer's market before deciding to start your own organic farm. Could you shadow someone who does what you want to do to see what their day-to-day life is really like? This task is good for those of you who maybe, like me, like to rush into things. So guess what? Those two tasks, learning something and trying something, are your to-do list. Put a deadline next to each one and give yourself no more than a month to complete them. Okay, now let's turn to your calendar. Here's how you're gonna hold yourself accountable. Schedule a weekly 15-minute check-in with yourself for the next three months. I mean, if you have to invite yourself to a meeting, do it. During each session with yourself, you're gonna ask yourself, did I complete these tasks? If so, well, good job, and what's the next thing I can do to keep moving forward? And if you didn't complete them, that's okay. You've got 15 minutes right then and there to do something. When you complete it, give yourself another assignment. By the way, all of this, as per usual, is in the newsletter and linked to at zigzagpod.com. Now, if you're the kind of person who has no problem coming up with ideas but never actually does anything about them, this step is particularly good for you, and you are not alone. Here's what beta tester Catherine wrote me. She said, I was intimidated at the notion of assigning deadlines to my action items. But actually, 
my first steps are all really reasonable. Like, maybe that's the key, to break projects down into baby steps to the point where it seems silly not to keep moving forward with them. At the same time, I appreciate your acknowledgement that change is hard and bringing ideas to life requires sacrifices. Catherine, yes. And let's talk about those sacrifices because it is possible you'll get to a point where maybe they're too much. Like maybe you realize the debt you'd have to go into or the time commitment, it is just too much. And it's okay to stop, to push pause, to reassess. Maybe even turn your big idea into a hobby or scale back or even just put it on hold. But can I just say, those of you who have trouble with follow through, it's not going to be easy or perfect or exactly how you imagined it. But don't talk yourself out of trying. Keep going, even incrementally. And those of you type A people who push yourself and knuckle through everything, remember, just because you can pursue something or you're good at something, that does not mean you have to do it. That's when you zig or you zag, all while keeping our eyes on the long-term prize, aligning our work with our values. I read a beautiful essay by Irene McMullen, a professor of philosophy at the University of Essex. She says that the ethical life means being good to ourselves, to others, and to the world. Okay, I just want to say that again. Being good to ourselves, to others, and the world. But Irene also asks, how do you choose if these demands compete? I think that's what this project has been about a lot of the time. So in this essay, after a rather academic but convincing argument, she says that we have to ask ourselves the questions, am I happy? Am I generous? Am I contributing to the world? Quote, the moral struggle we face is finding a way to honestly and accurately answer yes to all three of these questions at once over the course of a life that presents us with many obstacles to doing so. Am I happy? Am I generous? Am I contributing to the world? That is the struggle. And you are going to upset people by sticking to what you believe in, you're going to be sad when you have to leave some of your most fantastic, weird ideas behind. But once in a while, maybe you'll be honestly able to answer yes to those three questions. And the contentment you feel, even just for a second, it will be worth it. I have the privilege of feeling that contentment when I listen to the incredibly generous voice messages you send me. And I'm just going to indulge myself for a moment right now and, and play you some of them. Manish, thank you for helping me capture my ideas and organize them in such a straightforward way. I know what I need to do and I have a plan. This is what I've been needing. After using your methods, I feel less like I'm up in the clouds and more like I'm about to work towards something really good. It really did feel like a gigantic aha moment at a time when I so desperately needed one. It's been less about big aha moments for me and more distilling and proving to myself that some of the thoughts rattling around in my head have been real um, and that I need to do something about it. I had the luxury to stay at home with my kids for 
too long, almost 20 years, and I was floundering. And I'm going back to school for the first time in a long time. I'm excited and also scared. And that's a good feeling. In part, I already feel like, oh, I made my career zigzag. I went from working in nonprofits to becoming an acupuncturist. But really, what I've learned from you is that life continues to zig and zag. And even if timelines shift or, you know, things don't happen exactly as I expect them to, um, the long-term goals uh, and vision are still there. And I really appreciate having that reminder. Don't know how my own story is ending. I've had some really encouraging signs and a number of setbacks, but I am content to be in the process. And I owe a chunk of that to you for just honoring that process and living it out. So just thank you for creating this community, for wrestling with and sharing your own struggles and vulnerability and your highs and lows. You are living a successful life because you are being the person that you need to be that helps other people become who they need to be. And there is perhaps no higher calling than that. So thank you. Bottom line, I am still figuring out what I'm going to do after college. We'll see what happens. So that being said, Thank you for listening to this and thank you for being my best friend, Manoush. All right, I'm going to sign off now and cry. Kidding. No, but seriously, thank you. Thank you for helping me feel good about some of my choices. And perhaps you could help me. I've created a second survey to help you assess where you got to with this project and where you need to go next. It also includes some questions that will help me figure out this podcast's next zigzag. I don't know, should the zigzag project be a book? I'm not really sure, but I'm gonna slow down for the next few months and think hard about what I want and should do next. You'll find the survey in the newsletter or at zigzagpod.com. And please, just because the season is over, don't stop emailing me or sending me voice memos letting me know where you are in the process or what path you have decided to pursue and how it's going. I love hearing from you. Please send your messages to zigzag at stableg.com. The last couple years have been incredibly tough. I really commend you for turning them into an opportunity to thoughtfully and carefully consider your path forward while making things hopefully better for other people too. At the very least, I hope you thought about yourself in a new way, got in touch with new people, gave yourself some time to come up with new ideas. At the very most, maybe you changed your life, changed someone else's life, while still hopefully staying financially solvent. Change is hard, change is good. And if you got this far, you are a rock star. Zigzag is a member of the TED Audio Collective and comes from Stable Genius Productions. So much gratitude to all the folks at TED and to audio engineers David Herman and Dan DeZula for making the Zigzag project possible. I'm Manoush Samarodi, and thank you so much for being here.
Sex.